you need a microphone, don't you? It helps. There you go. Is it on? Yay. Oh, wow. I am still mush, too, so I don't even know how this is all going to come out. I really don't. It's just been so good. I've already been set free, and I'm just believing that God is just going to do even greater things uh, for us. You know, when you, when God prompts you to get up and speak in front of a bunch of ladies, it can be kind of scary, you know, just a little bit. And especially when he gives you a a message entitled, Unashamed Storyteller. You know, with a message like that, you know he's got some juicy truths, some incredible things that he wants to share with us. And so I need your guys' help. Um, I cannot do this on my own. So we're going to just take it to the Lord real fast, if you'll pray with me. Father, I know these women did not come here to hear a message from me, but from you. So I ask you now to give me the courage to share boldly all that you've put in my heart. Let me hold nothing back. Leave me. Let me leave just empty. Just pour me out, Lord. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to open their hearts to receive the truth that will set them free. And not only them, but the many, many, many others that will be set free because of the freedom that they receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we all love a good story, don't we? Yes, stories are awesome. Stories are powerful. Stories are what I do. Stories are what I talk about. Stories just encourage us. They give us hope. They give us faith. Stories can make us laugh, and they can make us cry. And stories can embarrass us, can't they? Yes. If you've never been embarrassed by a story, I can safely bet that you don't have any children. See, my son Casey was the first to hold the title unashamed storyteller in our household. This kid would tell anybody everything that was going on in our household, and he put his own little flair on it. Yeah. So you just never knew what was going to come out of this child's mouth. Well, one of the best stories he ever told on me, or maybe it was one of the worst stories, I don't know, um, was when he was in the first grade. And this all happened during Drug Awareness Week. You know where kids learn what drugs are, how to just say no, that kind of thing? Well, he was really getting into it. He was having a good time. Well, as the week started going along, he started to become a little concerned about my habits. Like, one day I had a headache, and so I took some Advil. And he goes, Mom, that's a drug. What are you doing? And so I went on and I tried to explain to him how it was okay what I was doing. It was a medicine. I mean, it wasn't like I was doing heroin or anything. (laughs) I could tell he wasn't really convinced, and it didn't help my story, because then the next morning while I was making breakfast, I heard, Mom, that's a drug! My coffee? Yes, caffeine is a drug. And then I went on trying to explain to him how he wanted Mama to have this. This was okay that Mama was having coffee. (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't really convinced because I could tell he just looked at me with that, you know, denial's the first symptom look. So I just thought it is time to get this chatterbox off to school. So you can kind of see where this is going to go, right? Just wait. Oh, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. That day while my kids are at school, my husband at the time got pulled over for speeding. And when he got pulled over, somehow a warrant had come up for his arrest for a hot check. 
Now, I had proof that this check had been paid, but I had to gather all the proof, and by the time I got everything together, he ended up having to spend the night in jail. Yeah, I had to go home and tell my kids why Daddy wasn't coming home. And so, as you could guess, Casey was not taking it well on how fast his parents seemed to be going downhill. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll take them with me. Brilliant idea. I'll take them with me, and they'll see that this is a big mistake and that everything is okay. And so I did. I took them with me, and it went without a hitch. There was no problem. Probably my kids were traumatized because they were, like, silent. I had never heard that before. So at this point, I probably should have known better, but I didn't. I said, "Mm, I'm going to take advantage of this great behavior, and I'm going to take them to the store. So I went to Walmart, and it was amazing when I first got there, y'all. It really was. Because, I mean, I was able to zoom down the aisles, grab all my items, and I got to the cashier in, like, record time. But then it happened. See, as the cashier was just checking out all my little items, you could see the unashamed storyteller starting to rise up. It was like Casey could hold back no longer. So he just looked at the little cashier with those big doe eyes and said, My mama does drugs, and we just got my daddy out of jail. (laughs) What do you say to that? You're like, "Uh, I mean, just hide your face. Try to get out of there. Don't make eye contact with anybody. Just come on. Yes, so go ahead, laugh. It's funny now. Not so funny then. It's funny now. But you know it's funny because if it was true, it probably wouldn't have been said to just some random stranger, Right? I mean, I knew that. I did grow up with a mama who really did do drugs and a daddy who really did go to jail. And see, even though I had a lot of stories from living in that environment, I had learned the golden rule that I think anybody who lives in a dysfunctional family learns, we don't talk about that. See, I was not an unashamed storyteller. I was full of shame. and, And my reasons for not telling my story... They were abundant, but shame seemed to be at the root of them all. And shame has a way of keeping you silent. And I'm going to tell you that silence is bondage. Mm-hmm. See, growing up, I didn't feel like I had a voice. I had experienced neglect and abandonment, but also abuse, physical, mental, and sexual abuse, all at the hands of those who were closest to me those who were supposed to love me and protect me. Not just once, but multiple times from multiple people for 22 years. I was well-rooted in shame. Shame was my middle name. I just wore shame. It dripped off of me. And all of those stories just left me with unspeakable wounds. And even though I didn't talk about them, that didn't mean that those stories didn't affect me. See, I kept them down deep down inside where no one else can hear them, no one but me. And they told me that I was worthless, that I was broken, that I was no good, that I was way too much, and that I was never enough. And it was long as that story just kept playing in my mind, I just kept recycling my story over and over and over again. It was like I couldn't break the cycle. See, it was more of the shame of my story, more than the story itself, that kept me chained to my pain, my past, and my problems. See, those shame-filled stories, 
for years kept me from fully experiencing the life that Christ had died for me to have. See, even after I had given my life over to the Lord and I had an amazing story of how God had rescued me from my captivity where I was being abused and physically held captive. And he had rescued me out of that, but silence was still keeping me bondage. I didn't talk about it. I was delivered from the shame. I mean, I was delivered from the situation, but shame still held me prisoner. I would often think, what would people think if they knew what I knew about me? See, shame keeps you shackled. and shackled by fear of being exposed. And you fear once you're exposed that you're going to be rejected and unwanted. See, shame leaves you feeling just disconnected and alone. But I know I'm not alone here tonight. Because the truth is we all experience shame. Shame is that intense feeling of believing that we're flawed and that therefore we're unworthy of love and belonging. And shame is not just reserved for those who've suffered unspeakable trauma. Shame tries to get its hooks in everywhere it can. So we know as women, we know the shame-filled stories we've heard about our body or our appearance. We can be ashamed of our money. We can be ashamed of our family. We can be ashamed of our motherhood, and you don't even have to be a mother to be ashamed of motherhood. Sometimes that carries the worst shame, doesn't it? And then if you do graduate to parenting, oh, we know the shame that comes with parenting, don't we? We can be ashamed of our mental health, our physical health. We can be ashamed of our age. We're too young, we're too old, and then all the wonderful things that age does to us. (laughs) We can even be ashamed of sex. We can be ashamed of our faith, what we believe and how we practice it. We all have a story of shame, don't we? We all have a story that we don't want to talk about. But see, shame derives its power from being unspeakable. So tonight, we're going to talk about it so we can be free. And see, while your story may be different than my story, I'm sure you've believed a few lies like I have. Let's see if any of these sound familiar to you. See, lie number one says, your story shall be shameful. The accuser who's called the father of lies, he likes to start as soon as he can. And most of the problems, most of the stories that we have problems with, they start back when we're very young, don't they? They start back from the very beginning. For some of us, it may be the programming that maybe we we heard from parents that that were just full of shame themselves or caretakers that were full of shame. But it could have been something we just absorbed from the culture. Something we saw in the magazines, the friends we were hanging out with, what the coolest thing was. Either way, it's when we're most vulnerable that the the great liar tries to inject shame into our story. And see, shame is the oldest trick in the book. If we look back at the beginning with Adam and Eve, we'll see that Eve, um, that they were not the first that they tried to beguile. Genesis 2.25 says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That means they were at their most vulnerable state. They were completely exposed to one another and to God, and they felt no shame. 
Can you imagine how free that would be? But you know how the story goes. The old snake in the grass devil saw their vulnerability and he ambushed them with shame. See, he tried to lie to them and tell them and make them feel like something was wrong with them, like something was missing, that they were defective in some way. And if they ate, then they would be like God. But the truth was they already were. See, unfortunately, Adam and Eve, they fell for the lies, and I can't blame them because we do the same, right? Genesis 3-7 says, And at that moment their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt ashamed at their nakedness. You notice it doesn't say they felt ashamed of their sin. It said they felt ashamed of their nakedness. They were exposed, and they were ashamed of their vulnerability. So what did they do? They went and grabbed a couple of fig leaves, and they hid themselves first from each other and then from God. And that's what shame wants to do. See, shame wants to make you hide. See, if the enemy can get you to believe from the very beginning that your story is shameful, that there's something wrong with you, something defective, that you're not enough or you're way too much, then he's going to get you to hide and cover your nakedness. And when we're hiding, we want to make sure that no one finds us and no one recognizes us. When we hide, we want to go and cover what we find inadequate about ourselves. And that hiding causes us to separate. See, when we hide, we want to shut others out. We want to push them away. And you know this is true because if you've ever played hide-and-seek, right, and you find a really good spot and someone else tries to come in and hide with you, What's the first thing you do? You're like, get out of here. This is my spot. So to hide, it essentially means to separate yourself. And if we believe the lie that our story is shameful, rather than being exposed, we're going to shut others out to protect ourselves. But in reality, what it does is isolate us. See, shame causes you to disconnect, and that's at the heart of what it really wants to do. See, if the accuser can convince you that your story is full of shame, then you're going to hide it at all cost. Even if that means you live with a deep loneliness. Either way, shame will tell you, don't put your heart out there. Don't let people see it. See, shame keeps you disconnected so you don't have to be vulnerable. And our stories do make us vulnerable, don't they? When you get to know someone's story, you get to know who they are. The real them, warts and all. Everything. And the truth is, your story was never meant to be shameful. And in order to be free from this lie, you have to believe that your honesty, your nakedness, is not shameful. The truth is, it's what makes you so stinking lovable. You know, when we see the raw truth and the openness in another person, it attracts us to them. We're drawn to those who could stand up for themselves and are willing to be seen. When we see the vulnerability in someone else, it causes us to have the strength to come out of hiding ourselves. See, our stories are not shameful, but they are powerful. And the enemy knows it. So if he can't get you to believe believe lie number one, he starts with lie number two. Lie number two says you should be ashamed you even have a story. Yeah. What are our stories really? Are our stories not just our problems 
and our struggles that have made an impact on our life, lessons that are learned, ways that we grow. And there's nothing shameful in growing, is there? Oh, but the accuser will try to make us believe because we have a problem, because we have a struggle. We should be ashamed and we need to hide it. Put on the happy face. I've got it all under control. I'm woman. Hear me roar. Miss Independent, I don't need no one or nothing. <laughs> he lies to us and he makes us feel like there's something wrong with us if we do have a problem. That we're weak or, or, or a failure if we do. And then he twists it and he lies to us and he makes it very personal. He twists our story from what we did or what we experienced to who we are and what we're worth. And the truth is, there is no shame in having a story. No shame in having a story. It took me a long time to believe that. I mean, I would often get guilt and shame mixed up. Guilt says, you did something bad. But shame says, you are bad. And just because you experience something bad, that doesn't make us bad. And if you feel guilty over something, you can confess it. God is faithful and just to forgive you. There's no shame in having a story. The truth is we've all done bad things, and we've all had bad things done to us. We all have stories. There's no getting away from them. See, our stories are our problems and our struggles, and no one is immune to them. Jesus even said we would have an opportunity for a juicy little story at some point in our life. John 16.33 says, in the Amplified, it says, In this world you'll have tribulations, distress, sufferings. You're going to have problems. We don't have to go through it alone. We all have stories, and there's no shame in having one. So if you want to be free from this lie, there's two things that you have to believe. The first one is that you're not the only one that struggles. And your struggles have nothing to do with your worth. Amen. Nothing. Amen. It's going to bring us to lie number three. See, if you can't get you to lie number one and lie number two, he starts in with lie number three, and this may be the greatest lie because it's one of the most damaging. Line number three says, you should be ashamed to tell your story. See, if he can't keep you, if he can't, if if he can keep you ashamed, he can shut you up. Right? And if he can't shut you up, he wants to keep you ashamed. So basically, if you're going to talk about shameful things, he wants to make sure he keeps you hidden and separate from your story. We call that blame. We see it first with Adam and Eve. Remember when God found them hiding in their shame and they asked them what happened? And they started a blame game. Adam blamed Eve and then God. He said, it was this woman that you gave me. Eve's like, "Uh uh-uh, it was the serpent. What were they doing? They were doing what we all do when we blame. They were trying to remove themselves from the story, hide themselves and separate themselves from the story in hopes that they would remove the shame that they felt. They thought if they could take the shame off of themselves and put it on someone else that they would be free. Let me tell you, that doesn't work. It just shames you both. It keeps you more separated. The truth is, Jesus wants to remove all the shame of your story. 
all of us shame at your story. If you'll turn to John 9, we're going to look at a story that Jesus, what Jesus wants to do with the story, just like seeped in shame. When I was studying this and just reading over there, I just, I just, that's all I saw was shame. And then I just saw all the hope. So follow me with this. John 9, 1 says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who'd been blind from birth. So this is the story that he had from the beginning, right? From the very beginning, you're going to be blind. And rabbi, uh, his rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? Now, did you catch that? They didn't ask why this happened. They said, whose fault is it? Who can we blame to carry this shame? And I'm really, I'm sure that this young man had really endured enough shame. I mean, think about it. Not only would it be shameful nowadays, but back in those biblical days, even more so to be a blind man. And so think about his parents as well. Think about the ridicule that he must have endured growing up. He knew he was different. He knew he was defective, considered an outcast. And what shame did he already carry knowing that everyone just looked down on him? He couldn't see him, but he knows they were looking down on him. He didn't want to be that way. And how disappointed were his parents? I mean, he must have felt like he really, really let him down. I mean, all their hopes and dreams dashed. He would never marry, never carry on the family name. He was an embarrassment, just a blind beggar. And then think about the guilt that was probably turned to shame. Did the mother think it was her fault? Did the father think it was his? But I love how Jesus goes and takes shame right out of the story. Look at verse 3. He says, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. See, Jesus said, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It doesn't matter what caused the shame. I'm going to remove it. This is what I came to do. I came to take care of sin and its punishment. I have the power to deal with sin and restore all those who've been affected by it. And ladies, it doesn't matter who caused your story either. It doesn't matter if it was you or if it was someone else. Jesus died and rose again to take care of the sin, the sin that was committed to you and the sin that you committed. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? All Everything, everything you've done, everything that's been done to you can be cleansed. You no longer have to carry the shame. He took our shame on the cross. And the blood of Jesus washes it away. And this is good news. This is good news. Oh, but wait. It gets better. See, that's not the end of the story. Jesus not only wants to remove the shame, but he wants to give you a story that you're not going to shut up about. He wants to make you an unashamed storyteller, too. See, if you look at what happened to the blind man, Jesus put a little mud in his eyes, tells him to go wash. He came back saying, verse 8 says, and his neighbors and all those who knew him as the blind man. I mean, they knew, they knew his past. They knew where he came from. They asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, nah, it just looks like him. And others said, well, it could be. But the blind beggar kept saying, yes, it's me. I am the same one. I was blind, but now I see. I was bound, but now I'm free. See, his shame had been removed. And when your shame, when there's no shame in your story, you're not afraid to talk about it. 
And when God restores us to who and what we are supposed to be all along, he doesn't want us to keep it a secret. Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he's redeemed of the hand of the foe. How many here have been redeemed? Yes. God wants to take your pit and make it your platform. He wants to take your mess and make it your message. He wants to take your test and make it your testimony. He wants to make you an unashamed storyteller that no one can shut up. No one can shut up. Because it is in telling your story that you find freedom, that you can stay free, and that you help others be free. I must say that one more time. It is in telling your story that you find freedom, that you can stay free, and that you help others be free. I wish I had time. I wish I had it to 1140, like I kept saying. <laughs> I wish I had time to tell you, you know, the whole story of how I became an unashamed storyteller, how I came from such pits of shame to a person that's not ashamed anymore. But I'm just going to give you the highlights. See, I was like the blind man. And I had to go wash the mud out of my eyes before I could come back seeing. And so for two years after God radically rescued me out of my captivity, I did nothing but wash. I washed in worship. I washed in the word. I washed in prayer. I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for and forgave my abuser. I was serving um, as a youth pastor in my church. It was like the doors were open. I was there. I mean, God just kept washing me and washing me and washing me in his love. There was so much more that he wanted me to see, but there was so much mud in my eyes. So much that needed to be washed away. Because see, at this point, even after two years of that, I still didn't tell anyone my story. I didn't tell anybody anything because, see, shame was lying to me, saying that if they knew how messed up I really was, they wouldn't let me serve in leadership. Nobody would really like me. They wouldn't want to talk to me. They, I wouldn't be invited to lunches anymore if they knew the real me because I wasn't perfect. I didn't have it all together. I didn't always have great faith, and I still struggled every day. So I just stayed hidden in plain sight. I put on my Praise Jesus Christian mask. And I loved that mask because it's who I really wanted to be. And I didn't want people to see the wounded and bruised and scarred and broken woman that was underneath. So here I was, saved, madly in love with Jesus, actively serving in my church, but shame was still a big part of my story. Shame was still keeping me silent. But Jesus wasn't finished with me yet, and he wanted to make me an unashamed storyteller too. So he gave me a story, just like the blind man, that I couldn't shut up about. And for those of you who've go, who go here, I know you've heard my story about my daughter being hit by the truck and how God miraculously healed her. If you haven't heard that, we are going to have to have some coffee, bring some tissues. I get choked up every time I tell it. I just I can't help but sharing this story. It's one that I feel needs to always get out. And even after, um, after I started sharing it, it got published in The Believer's Voice of Victory. And the writer did a great job, but I learned that no one could tell my story like I could. And no one needed to tell my story more than I did. I needed to tell it over again and again and again. I, need to keep proclaim- I needed to keep proclaiming God's faithfulness and what he did for me. 
how much he loved me. And it was through this story that God was teaching me what it's like to be an unashamed storyteller. See, it was wonderful. It was powerful. It seemed like anybody that I told this story to got inspired. It broke every, like, I could tell anybody, it didn't matter what age, what gender, what, what background, whether they were a believer or not a believer. It, it didn't matter who I told, they could relate because it was just a story from my heart and it reached a heart. It was beautiful. So that went on for about a year of God just let me babbling to anybody who would give me five minutes, maybe ten. But then I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. Now the rest of your stories, it's time to tell them. This is going to be hard. See, it was easy to talk about the finished work that Jesus had done. But these were stories that were still being healed. These were stories that were soaked in shame and I had no intention of ever talking about again. So I resisted for a long time, but I wanted to be free. I just didn't want to deal with the past. I didn't want to be exposed. I didn't want to risk being rejected. See, rejection was my greatest fear. I was afraid to show people how much I needed them. I was afraid that I would be too much to handle. I was afraid that they wouldn't be able to handle it, or I was afraid that I was going to bring up all the pain, and then I'd be left alone to deal with it. Or worse, have it used against me. But God is faithful and he wanted me free. Not somewhat free, but truly free. So he just kept reminding me, we are not created to be alone. And if I wanted to be really, truly free, I would have to be vulnerable with people again. And that's a scary place to be. But the truth is you cannot heal what you won't reveal. And if I wanted to be free from shame, I had to have the courage to bring it out of the shadows and bring it into the light. And I know these are not the kind of stories you just walk up to somebody in Walmart and start telling. <laughs> so I prayed, okay, Lord, who should I tell? Who would listen to my stories? Who would care? Who could handle them? Who could I trust to withhold judgment but would love me enough to tell me the truth so I could be honest and be free? And then he answered me. It was a day that I walked into a life group, which is now called small groups. And I can't even remember what the topic was, but I remember the women that were there. And I remember that they started to share their stories, and that made me feel safe enough to share mine. See, their vulnerability gave me the strength to come out of hiding and begin healing. And this was just the first of many women that God has been faithful to bring into my life. I mean, I can't say that there's been any one person who's heard all my stories. Nobody has. There's ones I still haven't. I'm still like, I haven't thought about that one yet. But God just seems to put someone in my path one at a time just as I need to deal with them, just to walk me through it. And I'm internally grateful for my husband, who is my protector, but he's also like my, the greatest listener. Like God gave him special ears to be able to hear all my stories that I tell over and over again. And he just loves me in spite of them all. But as wonderful as he is, you know, oh, no one understands a woman like a woman. We just get it different. So I'm thankful for the loving and caring and crazy and fun friendships of godly women like all of you. It is my chains have been broken over chats over coffee or picnics at the park, 
Maybe we played games together, or we worked out together, or we prayed together, or we journaled together. Somehow during those times, I was able to hear your stories, and you heard mine. See, my stories remind me of how far I've come and how much I never want to go back. And how much I want to help other people have the same freedom that I've been freed with. Today, I no longer want to keep silent. I am no longer ashamed to tell the stories of my pain, my past, or my problems. And I hope that by sharing just a little bit of my story with you tonight, that you've opened up your heart and allowed God to lift up the shame off of yours. I hope my vulnerability inspires you to open up to somebody else. And my heart's cry is that you're going to become an unashamed storyteller too. I'm going to close with this final lie. And it's one I hear all the time. Lie number four says, I don't have a good story. Yeah. Too many of us believe this lie. We believe that if we haven't gone what you've gone through, or if we haven't gone through something traumatic, then we don't have a good story. But the truth is, we all have a story, right? Every one of us. I mean, it, it, it could be the bad things that did happen to you. It could be. But it can also be those good things that didn't happen. We all have um, experienced some kind of difficulty or struggle. We've all experienced things that just can hold us down and, and keep us back, things that try to bind us up. I mean, you know what it's like to experience loss or pain or pressure, relationship difficulties. You know how hard it is to change, but the reward if you do. You know what it's like to fail and to succeed. You know what it's like to want to be loved and accepted and the stupid things that you'll do looking for that. You know what it's like to live in a woman's body with hormones and cellulite. Yeah. We get it. We're women. See, you don't have to go through everything that I've gone through to understand or, or get my feelings. Everyone has a story, and every story matters. Your story has the power to set you free, keep you free, and set other people free. So your story might be what I need to find freedom in mine. And not just me, but the woman who's sitting next to you. And the woman who works next to you. And the woman who lives next to you. In your story, I can hear what's possible. And I need your courage. I need your hope. I need your strength. I need your love. I need to see that you have flaws too. I need your story, and you need to tell it so we both can find freedom. If you're ready to experience that freedom, then it's time. It's time to become an unashamed storyteller. And if you want to be an unashamed storyteller tonight, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. So if you want to just stand up with me, just stand up.